It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Oh, man, what a difference a week makes, huh? Think about it. The depression that reigned around all of Memphis fans, Memphis Tiger Nation, last Monday morning after the 27 we quit defeat to the hands of, I think, a pretty good SMU team, although they lost yesterday to South Florida. South Florida, Zach Boyd, is amazing in this regard. They've won 13 in a row. They are now 14 and 1 in league play. Right? You with me here? I'm with you. Okay. Um, they're 21 and 5. Do you know that half of their 21 wins? Our quad four wins. That is why when you look at the net today, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, their net is 84. Now, I they started 91, so beating SMU, which is at 43 today, went a long way. I don't get the net, the movements. Florida Atlantic, best net in the league. 21-7 and seven overall after the loss yesterday. They have four losses in the league now. Their rank is 37, so they dropped five. They were 32 to 37. Memphis, with a quad one win, goes from 81 to 79. I don't get the movement. I really, I, I, I just don't get it. But here's what I do get. Effort makes a major, major difference. It, it just does. If you put in the effort on both sides of the floor, good things are going to happen. I thought the game yesterday was, well, the Virginia game is going to be the best game, right? You blew out a, a good team. Clemson game was a classic. It was two teams playing at a high level. This was like that. This was the best atmosphere I've seen at FedEx Forum since last year's Houston game. It was great. It was electric. I know there were only 13,500. That's what they said. I, I, I think they could have actually fudged on it. I thought there were more than that. And I don't usually say that because I know they always go high and they never go low. So if they said 13,500, they were probably 12. But it was really good. It was loud. And it was the atmosphere that you saw when Memphis played number one Houston a year ago. Well played game all the way around. Big-time plays offensively, big-time plays defensively, athleticism on both sides of the floor, effort on both sides of the floor. You saw the Tigers have four guys in double figures, yet three, usually they have four to five guys in double figures. I will tell you, going into the game, Florida Atlantic, if you just look at their sheer numbers— they are amazing. You realize they have three guys over 70 assists? Do you realize they had like 120 more assists than the opposition? They share the ball. They have like six or seven guys with uh, over 20 steals. They don't turn you over that much, but they do with anticipation on defense and steals. They hold you to decent percentages on, on field goal. I mean... They're really a pretty good team. They do have two big wins. I know they got the two bad losses. And everybody who hates Florida Atlantic, and it's easy to hate Florida Atlantic, right? They became a darling. They shouldn't have beaten Memphis last year. We all know that. They they got the t- they got they didn't call the timeout they should have. This team did lose to Bryant at home. That's their worst loss. They did lose to Florida Gulf Coast. That was a road loss. This team beat Illinois. This team beat Arizona in double overtime. So they've got a couple of nice wins on the resume. They're a good team. And Memphis, I think if you go to quad one and two wins, let me look at this real fast uh, while I got the chance. I believe quad one... 
Uh, and and two wins now. The Tigers are six and five, quad one and two. Which is 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 pretty good. Uh, Florida Atlantic would be seven and five. Now you then you take into quad three, and then you're talking about eight and two here. They're seven and zero, oh. but. Quad one and two, you know, Memphis's resume is 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 pretty darn good. Two and three in quad ones. They have another chance with Florida Atlantic on the road. That'll be a quad one. You can get to three and three in that department. You're four and two in quad twos. You'd still have a resume that is somewhat decent, but that's the reason that you are a quad or a 79 net is that you have a couple bad losses in there. The Rice loss, the the, the South Florida loss is not looking as bad as it as it did. I, I look at South Florida. The problem is they have so many quad four wins. Um, they are... Well, let's see. Four and one. I thought it was more than that. So Florida's quad one wins. Yeah, ten and two in quad one wins. They don't. They don't even have a quad one win when they played Memphis. Memphis was not a quad one. They are five and three in quad twos. There's the reason that they're in the middle of of the pack. But back to this game, back and forth, great team play. Some of the best passes I've seen. There was a pass that Quinterly, who by the way had six assists without a turnover. The Tigers only six turnovers in the game. And to me, that might be the difference in the game because Florida Atlantic turned it over 13 times. Two over their average, but they had eight turnovers in the first half. And Memphis got a lot of points off turnovers. They end up plus uh, 13 in that department, 18-5. That might be the difference in the ball game, there was a pass that Quinterly saw out of the corner of his eye, Jaden Hardaway. I don't know if Hardaway motioned to him or what it was, but JQ saw it and made a bullet of a beautiful pass just as Hardaway was cutting, like they must have done in practice, and he had an easy reverse layup. Or the Quinterly in transition, because Memphis has not been very good in fast breaks. That was pretty even, 10-9 in this game. Memphis down a point in that regard. But there was one beauty where they had a 2-1, and one, and Quinterly lobbed it to Jones with a beautiful dunk. I mean, that was, that was a, a very pretty play. There were some really nice passing going on by both sides. The effort on both sides was spectacular. And in considering that a week ago, everybody said this season is over, and I'll be fair and honest with you, in my heart, I thought it might be. I thought they had let go of the rope. And Penny Hardaway asked his team, Monday's practice, if You've given up the rope. And if you have, okay, we'll see you later. Thank you. Appreciate you, but we're going to go with the guys that care. Nobody left, and this is what they've done. Now, you've got the Dandridge stuff all surrounding this, and we'll get into that in our next segment when we are joined by Jason Munns. He'll be our only guest today. We're going to do medals here uh, in just one second. But to, to come back and win by 24 over the number two team in the conference at the time, Charlotte, and then to get the revenge on FAU, the darling of the league, the preseason favorite to your second-place preseason position in the poll, uh, to, to come back and play this kind of a game. And, you know, Memphis kept trying to pull away, and they wouldn't let them do that. It was a tie game in the last four, four and a half minutes, and then the Tigers were able to build a big lead. But <laughs> here comes the Owls. They came storming back, but the Memphis Tigers were able to finally win it by four. They were one-and-a-half-point underdogs. I thought they might be bigger dogs than that going into the game. But they win. Now they've got East Carolina, and I've learned from uh, this team this year, don't, don't, don't count on anything. They could easily go to East Carolina – just in case, if you're wondering, what would the Pirates' net be? 174. 
They are 7 and 7 in the league. They are 13 and 13 overall, which is a step up for a team that their coach basically lost everybody from a year ago. I think they got one returning guy, and that's it. Brand new team. And they're a tough team. Well, it's always tough for Memphis to play there. Uh, half the time, you got to manufacture your own energy because um, Minji's doesn't have a big crowd. And when they do, they can be really loud, but most of the time they don't because most of the time they're well below 500. I have no idea what Memphis will expect. This is not, remember, a ranked team anymore, Memphis. They're not going to bring the crowd in like they say did at New Orleans or say like they did in Birmingham, had their biggest crowd in eight years. So we'll see. I don't know if you have to manufacture your own or if the 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 ECU fans are starting to catch on to a team that's middle of the pack here better than they usually are when it comes to end of March, uh, end of February, early March. We'll see, but who knows what happens in that game? Really, I I, I think Memphis is going to win the next two and then have one heck of a game down in Boca like this one, and I don't think they'll be favored in that game. Even yeah, though they get, beat them here, but uh, it, home means something. That get back game on uh, against UAB, I think I think that's going to be another fun one. That, it's going to be very similar yeah. to to the FAU. Well, U, UAB lost big to Rice at home, followed by Tulane. You want to talk about a disappointing season? I mean, I know Memphis hasn't lived up to all the billing after the fifteen and two start, but Ron Hunter had everybody back minus one guy. Jalen Cook, who left to go to LSU where he started his career. Right. Right? Everybody back, including three stars. Cross, Kraft, James. They've done nothing. They, at home, were dominated by UAB yesterday. UAB's coming back uh, from a home loss to Rice. Speaking, we know about those, don't we? Um, Crazy. I, I, th- I think they're the biggest underachievers of anybody in the group with all those teams coming back. We'll get Munzee's thoughts on that. That surely was a lot of fun. I'm sitting in the Family Leisure Studios. Okay, the end of the month is coming. What will Lindsay? what will Billy cook up? Right there at I-40 in Widden Road, you know, a little north. And look to the right, to the east, and you'll see this great palace where they got the floor model sale still going on, but maybe only for a few more days where you can get the wicker sofa sets under two grand you can get pool tables under fifteen hundred dollars i've never seen that before these are beautiful beautiful pieces of equipment theater seating if you've got the movie room they've got the seats for under two grand four person hot tubs under five thousand dollars the newest in steam saunas you can get traditional or you can get the new infrared 25 percent off those get in line get your above ground pool you'll be the first on the list for installation and those things will be starting to get installed here in the next couple of weeks all you got to do is take advantage of the floor model sale happening at i-40 and widden road Time now for what we always do Monday mornings. We take a look at the weekend, and we give out our precious medals. I'm going to start by giving Naquan Tomlin a bronze medal and a recommendation to Kirk Downs, the sports information director, and to Penny Hardaway, who make the decisions each week. You will nominate a candidate for player of the week in the American, and then they sort through all those, and they put some in the honor roll, and they name one guy player of the week, right? Naquan Tomlin was spectacular in both games. In the game against Charlotte, brilliant. In the game against the Mighty Owls, Naquan had 21 eight rebounds, three steals, two blocks. Every game now, it seems, as the Tigers have figured out he's better to start at the perimeter and move him in on the run. Don't line him up as a five because he's not an interior guy. Ever since they figured that out, every game he's gotten a bit better. I think the last game was the best game I've seen him play. The game against Charlotte, I said, that's the best game I've seen him in a Memphis uniform. 
He is really starting to round up. He should be, with those performances against the number two team in the American, he should probably be the player of the week. We'll see how that goes out. I'm going to give out a bronze medal to Josh Hubbard, the Mississippi State freshman who had 32 points, a career high, and six threes in their win against LSU. So now they've won five in a row. They've sort of solidified themselves as the seventh team in the SEC to probably get an NCAA bid. A&M, Ole Miss, at the moment, I think they're on the outside looking in. Uh, And this kid has now got 400 points for the Bullies. That, by the way, is the first freshman to do so since 2005. So you're talking 19 years it took, and they got themselves a dandy in Josh Hubbard. I will give a silver medal. It should probably be gold, but I only give out one gold. I'm going to give it to him because he got all the gold. Steve Kerr. I think he becomes the highest paid NBA coach, although somebody was saying it might be Pops, but... $17.5 a year for two years, that would entice you to stay at the helm of the Warriors. Living in San Francisco, you know what? On 35 mil, you can, with 17.5 mil per year, you can afford to live there. It's expensive. Wow. Um, And he also coaches the United States Olympic team. So I think it'll correspond. There are a couple things here, maybe. Uh, Is Curry's contract. Two years left, I think so. And that would also correspond with them in the Olympics, so it all kind of ties in. And Kerr, I think, will be 60. I think he's 58. So 60, the end of Curry, the Olympics, who knows? It's all wrapped up in $35 million. That's pretty good. I got to give Caitlin Clark, who you know is the number one woman scorer in the history of college basketball, Yesterday, she got her 16th triple-double. When she gets a triple-double, Iowa wins. They beat Illinois. She's now second, but she she trails. Lady who's become famous, right? Because she, she was in that shootout with Steph Curry, Sabrina Ionescu. She's got 26 triple-doubles. Caitlin Clark's got 16. She's not going to catch her. That's amazing. 26 triple-doubles career-wise. 16 for Caitlin Clark yesterday. And then my final silver goes to Patrick Kane, the former Blackhawk great who will be a Hall of Famer, who was, with Taze, probably the two biggest forces in the small dynasty. The Blackhawks won three cups in five years. What? eight years ago, something like that, was right in the heart of the Chicago Blackhawk dynasty. So he comes back. He now plays for the Detroit Red Wings, which used to be the biggest rival of the Chicago Blackhawks. They go to overtime. And the Blackhawks are the worst team in the NHL. They're incredible rookie who's going to be amazing, Connor Bedard, already amazing, who missed six weeks with a fractured jaw. Patrick Kane, in overtime, wins the game for the Red Wings. The Blackhawk fans who love Patrick Kane, who loved that dynasty, probably the and, and let's face it, the Blackhawks are the original six, right? They've been around a long time. That 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 five-year period was probably the greatest five-year period in the history of the Chicago Blackhawks. What did the Blackhawk fans do when Kane, playing for the other team, wins the game in overtime? They gave him a standing ovation. To Kane and to the great Chicago Blackhawk fans for that gesture, I give them a silver medal. And my gold? Simple. To the Tigers. Because just when you thought the season was over, literally a week ago, they have this incredible week, and it all comes down to effort, focus, desire. Really, that's it. This team has the pieces in place to probably, depending on what kind of seed you might get, to get to the second weekend. If only 
they can keep this up when they play on the road. If indeed Dallas was the low mark, the wake-up call that produced the kind of play you've seen the last two and you keep it going, then you're in there. If they have learned their lessons, but they get a gold for this week's effort. My medals, Dave. Yes, sir. So we're going to go with a bronze. Give a bronze. We're going to give it to the trio of Naquan, David Jones, and Quinley. Yep. I think all three of those guys were very instrumental in yesterday's yeah. win. And Walton, too. Walton played some pretty good D and rebound. He did. He did. He, got a, he, had, like, he had 11, too. <laughs> Uh, but I think I think those I think these three guys are very is, are, is pretty much is the key for the Tigers deep run because no all three guys can score and can go large and then also they can give you something else extra if if we could get those three guys going at the same time offensively we like might, yesterday yeah right we might 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 be might be cooking with something here with with uh, with this trio. Uh, another bronze medal for me. We got upsets, Dave, and we got we're constantly having top twenty-five teams losing on the road. That's, that's <laughs> what's going to make March so incredible this yeah. year. <laughs> uh, Houston knocking, uh, getting knocked off by Baylor in overtime, and then uh, uh, after lashing out against his team uh, <laughs> last, I think in the last couple of days, uh, St. John decides to be, uh, yeah. beat Creighton. I know after Creighton had. Uh, uh, played unbelievably well against UConn. Yeah, that, that's so. You got Houston and UConn, the two teams that I, I, I think, can easily play for the national championship, depending on all the seeding and everything. Uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind; those two could be the best. They both lose. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's it was madness this week. Uh, my silver medal, and this is a little bit of a curveball. And if you know me really well. I think you'll understand why this is uh, this is my silver medal. Is there a Dallas Cowboy in here? No. Oh, okay. No, no. Um, I'm giving my silver medal to NASCAR, and I'm ah, I, I am not a NASCAR guy at all. Oh, I am. It's just a lot of left turns. Yeah, a lot of left turns, but they they're trying to they they're trying to integrate a lot of road uh, road uh, races here okay. in the last few years. So just just to you know give it more variety than just turn left, turn left. Turn left. Now, I obviously it wasn't ideal that the Daytona 500 ended the way that it ended, you know, under caution with William Byron winning uh, the Great American Race. Uh, but this weekend, uh, you know, it didn't disappoint. Like you got three drivers coming to the line, and it's literally a photo finish, like milliseconds close. Yeah. Daniel Suarez was the winner of the Atlanta Speedway. Uh, this weekend, I mean, it was it was a really fun race. A three-way photo finish. Photo finish, man. It was that close. I'm just glad they finished on a Sunday. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I've always marveled, like, NASCAR's biggest race, Daytona 500, right? Isn't that it? Yeah. That, that, that's the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And it's their first race. It's the first one. How, how can the first one be the biggest one? It's always baffled me. But I've, I've never quite understood NASCAR anyway. They got a lot of legendary tracks that they race on. So that's your your silver is to NASCAR. Yeah, that's my silver. And then the gold. I mean, we're 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 pretty much in agreement here. The Tigers. You had to get that game. You find a way to get it. And you got it done. Um, I actually had a bit of a lead there, like halfway to close out. That's almost closing out that second half. So. Uh, if you can just bottle this up and just carry it to you on the road, and hopefully you don't play lackadaisical, lackadaisical on the road, man, you know it's just baby steps. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I'd have two roughs, one uh, rusts, one very facetious. My first ref goes, uh, rust goes to the refs yesterday. I think it was Joe Lindsay who made the call. It was a timeout that they gave in the first half to FAU. It was Elijah Martin who went down. Actually, he traveled first. They didn't call that. Then he's on the ground holding the ball. The Tigers go to tie it up, much like they did in Columbus, Ohio the year before. And the ref gave the timeout to Martin and to FAU. And I think everybody in the place went, really? You're giving them a timeout? And then 
I guess my final rust goes to the folks at Wake Forest and this crazy stuff with barnstorming the floor after beating a ranked team. And that's what happened with Wake Forest and with Duke. And their big guy got hurt. Uh, a player, a, a, a fan coming in, and Filipowski, the, the, the big man that was that was hurt, he thinks it was deliberate. I've seen the video several times. I think it was just a crowd out of control. I don't think that kid that hit him in the knee had any idea of what he was doing or intention or targeting or anything of that nature. But I do think it is time. I will agree with the two coach. I think it's time to put an end to this. Uh, Memphis was a part of it earlier this year with Tulane when they finally beat a ranked team and they stormed the court uh, at Fogelman Fieldhouse and uh, Fogelman Arena at Devlin Fieldhouse. Let me get that right. Anyway, and the guy touched David Jones. There was no ill intent, but it, it was to chide him, and that's dangerous. But I, I, I believe now... We've seen Caitlin Clark. We've just seen Filipowski. I think it's time where you just go, you know what? Can't do this anymore. It used to be I was saying, let the kids do it, but get the opposition team off. Well, if they're going to be that unruly, you can't. I think you just have to say you can't let them storm the courts anymore. That's got to come to an end because now we've seen two really good players, two of the biggest names in college basketball, Caitlin Clark and Filipowski, that they have all now been – uh, hurt and had to be helped off the court because of court storming. Crazy. Got to put an end to it. Um, I agree. Court storm was one of my uh, was one of my rest. And also, um, I don't know, Dave, if 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 you've been on Twitter the last the last twenty four hours. Or I, I've looked. Okay. Uh, did you see the video of of these uh, regular humans try to fight Cam Newton? Oh. You know, I, I did have – I was going to put that uh, – Cam Newton really didn't do very much at all as far as I could see from that video, right? He gets pushed. He never pushes back or anything, right? And then the, the big headline is Cam Newton involved in seven-on-seven seven youth football fight. Like, what did you think? I think that regular people need to stop putting their hands on athletes. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Like you're not you're not gonna win against a Cam Newton who's six five two thirty. Like, but, I get but it. Newton didn't do anything, did he? No, not that I know yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, th- th- these headlines about how he's involved, he's like a, a a victim here. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, like bro, bro is still like not too far from playing football, and and, and the first thought you think to yourself is when you get into an argument with Cam Newton is to put your hands on the boy. Like the man, the man had several broken offensive lines. He like he was literally a one man show. Yeah, he's like he, he's not, he's not the guy I try to pick on at all. Yeah, no, at all. Hundred percent agree with that. And those are our precious metals. Munzee is right around the corner. Our title sponsors Homer, Homer Skelton Hyundai. That's in Olive Branch at the corner of Craft Road at Highway 78. That's Lamar. Turn left. Go see Chris True. Go see all the gang. Because right now, they've got a brand new car they really want you to test drive. Because they say, if you test drive the new Santa Fe, it's bigger now, third row standard, Ultimate family car, quiet as could be, sedan-like ride in this incredible SUV that's been totally rebuilt. You will want to buy it. Just test drive it. Just go see Chris True and all the gang and ask about the new Santa Fe at Homer Skelton Hyundai. Back in just moments with Jason Munz from the Commercial Appeal on Wallow and Friends. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Weekend's over. Time to stock up on your spirits. There's the best place I know to go, so conveniently located right in the heart of East Memphis 
at the corner of Poplar and St. Nick. That's 4848 Poplar, right down from Clark Tower. You've seen it before, that little log cabin. It's been there since 1969. Not so little inside. Plenty of spirits to replenish if you need beer, or especially the local beers. They got them. They got them all. You want accessories, even a little seasoning to put on the rim of a glass for a specialty drink? They've got every rub you could think of. They've got everything from valuable bourbons, see if you can get pappies out of them, or up-and-coming tequilas, great wines, those that will be really great in a few years, middle ground on everything, tequilas, whatever it may be. They've got everything at Eddie Connor's Spirit Shop right in the heart of East Memphis. Again, Poplar and St. Nick, time to restock at the Spirit Shop. Two Mississippi we go. Our friend Jason Munns from the Commercial Appeal joins us. What a difference a week makes. Oh, wait. Not with your predictions. What did you say on this show a week ago? Five games left. Tigers will go one and four. Impossible already, mathematically, because yeah. they're 2-0. Oh, and if we take the beginning of your year... My, my advice to you, and I say this in, 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 in a way that I just want to take care of all my friends. I want to embrace them. I want to hug them. Keep writing, kid. Forget about the prognostication. Yeah, my, uh, my uh, yeah, I'm not cut out for this prediction. So it's just <laughs> not, it's not, uh, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> let's not, let, let's not, however, let's let the record reflect. A few things. Okay. Uh, there was there was one game. I I emphasized one earlier this season where I got the final score exactly correct. Oh, you were close and yesterday too. It was you said seventy eight seventy seven, and it was seventy eight seventy four. So that that is pretty pretty darn accurate. Uh, yeah, I bet John you were, Davis or Brian Greenley would have hit a, uh, a one more three pointer. I, I would have been right on the money. Um, thirty-one thirty at the half. You didn't think you were going to be close, did you? Not after. I mean, I, I yes, I thought the game would be close. But then once we got into the game, I thought, you know, like there was a couple of times where it was where Memphis was kind of on the ropes, where FAU had gone up like seven, I think, at one point, at some point in the first half, and and I thought, oh no, like it's it's about. Oh, they, to, they're actually they led by eight. Yeah, with with thought, with six minutes left in the first half, so they yep. they, they they were up there, and Memphis cut that to one at the break. Yeah, it was getting a little bit dicey, and I thought, oh no, like they if they if they push this out to double digits, you know, look out, and uh, and that didn't happen. But uh, uh, but no, it was a great win. It was it was uh, every every win at this point uh, should be considered great um, because they need everyone they can get and. Yes, uh, they have. It didn't take long for them to prove me wrong uh, with my one and four over the last five. They're already at least at, at, at worst they're going to be two and three. So yeah, I'm already wrong. Yeah, and and I I really don't think that will be the case. They're, they'll no. end up playing a, an East Carolina team that's a a very average team. Memphis should be favored in that game. We'll see if they've learned their lessons from one week ago. It's amazing how much different they were from one Sunday to the next, the debacle in Dallas to the joy yesterday in getting revenge. Uh, I, I think they've learned their lesson, but I've learned mine too. I, I, I have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it true, this season has truly been a roller coaster, and you truly never know. You can never – it just – yeah, you just never know. You never know what you're going to get with this team. Um, you know, even even off the court, you never know what you're going to get. I I I'm I'm curious. We we still don't know what we're going to get now with Malcolm Dandridge. Um, right here, here was more drama for this year, and if there has been uh, a given in almost every year. And, you know, I, I, some of this is just craziness. But there seems to always be a story that surrounds the Tiger basketball program. 
there's yeah, it does. some sort it does. of an adventure, drama, whatever, however you want to term it, there's always something in the background that is there to distract this team. Now it is allegations which could cause the eligibility to be over for Malcolm Dandridge. Give me your sense of that. Yeah, so what the program is saying, like they're 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 being kind of vague about it. They're not they're not getting specifics too much and, and according to their brief statements that they released Saturday morning, um, they are withholding Malcolm Dandridge uh, until further notice from competition. He can still practice, he can still be around the team. He was on the bench during the game yesterday. He was on the floor. He was shaking but- hands before the game began with folks. Yep. Yep. So he was for, on the floor. If, if the guy was was guilty, uh he sure wasn't acting like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so they're withholding him from competition as they gather information and review uh something that could call his eligibility status into question. Now, I reported uh, over the weekend that it has to do with academics. Um, that much I've been able to confirm. And yeah, so basically we, at this, you know, Penny said it to you before the game and he said it to everybody else after the game that um, he's simply, he can't talk about specifics, can't get into, you know, why things uh, are, are, have, have gone this way, but he, he did say that he doesn't know when, you know, like how quickly this is going to get resolved or if it's going to get resolved, he's going to find out just the same way we are. So, um, and everybody else. So, um, yeah, it is. It's, it's just, we, we, we really, we, we don't know a ton about what, uh, what is there or isn't there. Um, but we know there's at least something that some sort of cloud that, uh, is, is, you know, needing to be investigated and, uh, and, and checked out. So, um, that's what they're doing. Don't know. I mean, like, honestly, genuinely, he, he, maybe he's back on the floor Thursday, but then again, maybe he never plays again. We just don't know. Um, and it is to your point, <laughs> to the point that you made, it, it truly is always something, whether it's Penny Hardaway getting suspended for the first three games of the season for, a recruiting violation that was committed back in 2021, whether it is the uh, whole Mikey situation um, that played out from April to December, uh, whether it's, you know, bringing in somebody mid-season because they got into a situation at another school that they couldn't get out of, whether it's, you know, one guy leaving the team in December and then a month and a half later that guy is back, uh, you know, it, it is. It, it's always, it, it truly is always something never boring. It is never boring. No. Um, and they proved yesterday they can win without Malcolm in a big-time game. I will say this, though. Vladislav Golden, Vlad Golden, their 7-1 center, he was 9 for 9 did not miss a shot. He would have been totally perfect, but he missed one free throw. Uh, his career high is 23 at 22 yesterday. He was pretty brilliant. I don't believe he would have been 9 for 9 had Malcolm been in there. I think Malcolm would have at least disrupted a couple of shots. Agree, 100%. I even wrote about that in my uh, in my instant recap that I posted right after the game. I, I, I yeah, no, I, I don't I don't believe that he would have been 9 for 9. There there was there would have been some, I'm confident he would have missed at least one shot that he took. Um, because Malcolm would have worked him. Malcolm, Malcolm is 6'9", 260 pounds. Right. Okay, Golden, sure, he's seven foot one, and he is very good. But I don't believe for a second that uh, the, the bruising brute that, uh, that Malcolm Dandridge is, um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, I think he would have been a difference maker. I think the game would have been... Uh, you know, I mean, like Memphis ended up going up by 10, I think, at one point yeah. late in the game. I, I don't think it would have even, I think it would have, you know, with Malcolm out there, I feel like he's worth, you know, another another five, six, seven points, and Memphis wins comfortably. Well, based and, on the and, way and definitely make out. it more uncomfortable for the Owls to score in the paint, because Malcolm 
can make steals, and Malcolm is the leading shot blocker on the team. And by the way, he matches the 260 that Golden is wearing. And right. uh, there's nobody on the Tigers team that weighs more than I, I don't. What does Jordan weigh? Maybe 215, 210. I, yeah, I know, I know uh, Tomlin weighs 210. So that that was tough matchups for them. Yeah, it was. The other thing is Jordan Brown, who probably is in that neighborhood, not quite that big, but would have been tougher. He's got a bad back. You could see in warmups. He he just does not have it. He's too stiff. He's not the yeah. guy we first saw at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, and, and you just hope for Memphis' sake, or if you're a Memphis fan, that, that you know, maybe they can get by without him against East Carolina and UAB, maybe, um, and, and give him a chance to rest that back and and rehab that back for the next week, week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe you get him, you know, in a better spot as you go into the conference tournament. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. It... it it seems like something has flared up in that back that uh, is is really uh, limiting him. So what what do you think happens from here? Three games remaining. Got to win all three, by my figuring, since the Tigers already have six league losses. They have to win all three in order to get the double bye to be in the top four in the American. I see him winning two. I'm not sure I see him winning three. But as I've already said, I, I who knows with this basketball team? I mean, they go, go lay an egg on the road because they're a different team at home than they are on the road. Most teams are. Um, but they should win the East Carolina game. The the one at FAU, that's going to be another war. That, that'll be a, what could be a classic, I think. Um, but they got to win all three. Do you think they get the double bye? And then what are your thoughts about the American? Well, uh, as we've as we've covered already, um, me as a prediction maker, uh, not so hot. You know, please nobody uh, don't don't anybody take what I say for for uh, uh, you know like as gospel. Don't but, don't bet on the phone with that. Is what you're saying? Yeah, do not. Uh, you know, you can listen to me, but don't uh, don't don't take it to the bank um, or take it to Vegas. But uh, uh, no, I, I think they're going to win Thursday. You said it exactly right. They should win Thursday, and they should win Sunday, for sure. Um, uh, East Carolina is not a good team. It is a tough place to play. It's a tough place to get to. I understand all that. Uh, it's going to be mostly empty, I would think. That that uh, that venue is going to be mostly empty. And so play, you know, like you're going to, as far as like, Playing with energy and stuff like uh, you're gonna have to make your own. You're gonna have to dig deep, to make your own because uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be very uh, very hype uh, in that building. So you know, they should they should win. All that being said, they should win that game. They should win. They're back at home on Sunday against a team that kind of uh, gave them a whooping uh, down in Birmingham a few weeks ago. So they owe them. So you got that. You're trying to get revenge on them. You 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 know them uh, certainly better than you did in that game, and you're at home. So you, and and you're getting better. You're starting to click. You're starting the synergy. You're starting to see the synergy. You can see it actually playing out where Naquan Tomlin's getting better, and um, and and uh, you know guys are starting to. There's evidence you can point to where guys are starting to really get on the same page. There was a play late in the game yesterday where uh, JQ hit uh, Jaden Hardaway, going, who, who was going down the baseline through the back door, and he puts in a reverse layup. Like, if you watch the replay, you can see Jaden Hardaway give this in- incredibly subtle little hand signal to JQ, and as soon as in the very next beat, Jaden breaks for the basket, and JQ hits him with a, a skip pass that was perfect, and it just it just was it was a really uh, fun play to watch, and and to me was sort of indicative of how they're starting to get to know each other. They're finally starting to get on the same page, and so all that being said, I think that's going to be a win for them uh, on on Sunday. Now, the following Saturday down in Boca, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like you just played them. You know, that is a very good team. You're going on a, you know, a longer-ish road trip. This is not just a road trip to Birmingham or New Orleans or 
whatever. This is a longer road trip, but there's going to be a lot on the line for Memphis. No uh, you know what I mean? Yep. So like, I don't know. And, and, and as far as like the AAC, um, it, it, it has been one of the most baffling deals I've ever, you know, like South Florida has pretty much already locked up the regular season championship and picked 13th. And they, yeah. Yeah. They were picked 13th. And this is a team that is nowhere near NCAA tournament conversation if they weren't for in first place in the American Conference. Nowhere near. They're not even close to at-large consideration, right. largely because they have zero quad one wins, and 10 of their 21 wins, like, that's almost half. Quad four. Are quad four. Yep. yep. You nailed it. So, like... They, they, it's, it's, it's amazing that that team has pretty much run away with, uh, with, with the conference championship. Um, uh, yeah, and then you got, you know, you got Rice going to UAB and beating them by twenty three, and you got Memphis losing to uh, Rice and and, and UAB. Uh, it's, it's just been a really crazy year, and 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 that should be if if you don't take away anything else from the way this season has gone, it it should be that very truly and genuinely the conference tournament in Fort Worth is anybody's game. I know it. I think seven teams probably uh, could win it. All the two lanes coming down off off of that uh, marker for me. Right. One last quick note. Uh, I, I noticed first time I think all starters for the Tigers yesterday – Got 30 minutes. I don't think that's happened all year long. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. We'll do this again, and we'll know a little more next Monday. See you in Greenville, Willa. I can't wait. That is our guy from the Commercial Appeal. That is Jason Munz. He's brought to you by the Eflin Insurance Team. Went to lunch last week with Matt Eflin. He's a dedicated guy. I love listening to him. Young, so sharp. And what he does is he gets to know you so he can protect you better. If it's your family, he'll get to know exactly What's important to you? How many kids you got? Where you kind of forecast yourself down? What's your budget? Then he'll protect you. He'll protect your future with life insurance, your car, your home. He'll do it all. Same thing with small to mid-sized business. Real simple. He'll get to know you, your employees, your product, what's your budget. And then he finds the perfect commercial insurance if you've got a small to mid-sized business. 901-386-GUR. That's because they're Tiger fans. 901-386-4777. Protect yourself the collaborative way. Get to know Matt Eflin. Back in just a minute, the NFL is thinking about a rule change. We'll tell you what that is momentarily. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. The NFL Competition Committee is pondering a rule change on kickoffs. They are thinking about adopting the XFL kickoff rule, which... Is this so? You know the the way it works now is kicker and the whole team line up at thirty five. If you kick it into the end zone or you call a fair catch, you get the ball at your own twenty five. Here's what the XFL rule is: the kicker stands at his own thirty, so five yards back. The other ten players line up at the opposition thirty five, and the other teams other than the receiver, 10 guys, are at the 30. Then you kick the ball off. You cannot move anybody except the kicker and the returner until the ball is fielded. Now, if there is a touchback, you get the ball at the 35-yard line instead of the 25. The whole thing here is the odds are you're not going to kick it from the 30 into the end zone. 
And with the way it is, there's no big collisions because you're only five yards apart and you can't move until the ball gets fielded, that it will promote a lot more kickoffs. There were only 22% of kickoffs returned last year, none in Super Bowl 58. So this promotes trying to return it because you can't get it into the end zone. Those extra five yards, I don't know. The way they do it, I think they will. Um, or at least even trying to return it, maybe you're two yards deep because there's not the big collision. Nobody right. can move until you field it, and you're faster as a returner than anybody else. So I, I kind of like the idea. Here's the only flaw. If there is a, 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 a touchback and you get the ball at the 35, you realize with the way these guys kick now, you only need to go 15 or 20 yards. You're talking one to two first downs before you're in field goal range. To me, now maybe they want more offense or more points on the board. To me, I like this rule in a lot of regards, but I don't like the fact that you're putting it at the 35. They're doing that because they want more O. They want more points. But two first downs should not mean you get points. That, to me, is the flaw. Yeah, um... And then especially if you if you get a repeat um scenario of having another Brandon Aubrey type of kicker again. Yeah. Like it's it's almost it's almost like, okay, cool, we kick it from the thirty, get a bring in a strong legged kicker and it's out of the end zone. So you start That's right. But so now but, you're gonna get it at the thirty five. Right. So yeah, you, you so yeah, now you're telling that guy don't kick it in the end zone. Kick it high in the air, let him catch it at the five. So it's a lot. Of, it brings a lot of strategy in, into play because it's like, do you, do you want them to start thirty five and have to drive sixty five yards? I don't know why you got to start it at thirty five. Start it at twenty five, and that'll really promote you to try to return it. I just, that's to me. I like everything except for the starting at the thirty five. Yeah. Anyway, that's food for thought. It's not a rule yet, but we'll see where it goes. And our final portion of the show brought to you by Grind City Brewing, taking care of beerness in Memphis. They have been for a long time now the most beautiful facility. What a day to go down there and try their product. Of course, you can get their product anywhere, like Spirit Shop uh, in East Memphis. But if you go down there, you try their product. they got a beautiful picnic area. What a day to go look at the bridges and the Memphis skyline in this gorgeous weather. And know that you can get the Pilsner, Poppy's Pills, which is what the doctor ordered, or the Godhopper Pale Ale, or the Thaddeus Amber Lager, or the Belga. That's the Belgian-style wheat ale that's like Blue Moon, or there's the Tiger Tail. That's the Kraft Malt Liquor with a little extra alcoholic kick. Oh, all the products you love. This was the dream of a father and son for years now. Grind City Brewing, they've been taking care of beerness in Memphis. That'll do it for us. Johnny Radio is right around the corner. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everybody.